This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everybody, I'm here with Elizabeth Dunnett. How you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. It's nice to hear your voice. Yeah, you as well. <laughs> You're, uh, we're not together. You're, uh, we're still under uh, lockdown, although it's here going to be lifted uh, soon. You're in uh, the Muskegon area, yes, which is I right, am. On, right on the lake. Yes. The lake Michigan. Yes, we live about seven minutes approximately from the shoreline. So it is such a gift to be this yeah. close. I met you. I don't know if you remember this. I met you. Ooh, let's see. <laughs> at a documentary viewing of Cigarose. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. At okay. the Wealthy Theater. Okay. Okay. Do you remember this? Well, or, or at least the at least the viewing of the the documentary. I think I do. I think okay. I do. I. I mean. I attended a, a handful of events at the Wealthy Theater, <laughs> and I think that I remember the connection with mutual friends being made yeah. there. I, I really remember being connected to you through Mars Hill. I mean, that right. that's like where I remember most, and I think Soup Sundays... Yeah. Did you come to those? Yeah, I, I came to several. Yeah, okay. I think that's like where, yes, but the first time we met, I think I remember that event because I don't think I was living in Grand Rapids when I went to that event. Okay. I think I was, I was, I was living in Everett, Michigan when that occurred. So it yeah. was like on a weekend event that I came to stay with my good friend. Yeah. Well, that's how we met was through Lane. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure she and I attended that event, and then we met there. Yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm pretty sure soon and after the, the rest yeah. was history. The rest <laughs> was history, as they say. <laughs> that was uh, that would have been like 2012, 2013. Yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it 2011. No, 2011, 2011 or 2012. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is, this <laughs> is, yes. So I probably met you. I mean, you, yes, this makes sense to me. Um, Lane was living on the West side at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And on a weekend that I got away from camp, I came down 2011, met you 2012 <laughs> summer budding friendship and then that makes sense because in 2012 2013 i was living in east grand rapids yeah east town to be specific right. yes crazy that's so long ago man i know <laughs> a lot has a lot has happened and a lot has so changed much has happened. it's so long ago oh what's interesting too is uh you you're not from the grand rapids area at all. Nope. You're actually from Lansing area uh, in Hazlitt, just mm -hmm. right outside of Lansing. Uh, talk about what it was like to live there. Living in Hazlitt was 
Well, my parents are divorced. So part of my time was spent in Lansing, in like Lansing area. Um, I'm really bad with directions. I think it was <laughs> the north be, east I think side it's the, of Lansing. Yeah, northeast side. Yeah, yeah. But like when I was with my dad, it was like in Lansing, northeast side of Lansing. And then when I was oh, okay. with my mom in Hazlitt, it was in Hazlitt, which is somewhere outside of Lansing. This is why I'm saying I'm all about directions. But growing <laughs> up in Hazlitt and going to school in Hazlitt was very, you know, now as an adult looking back, I mean, it was a very great school. I was very privileged to receive the education that I did. It was, you know, my class is all I knew back then, you know, obviously. So what I knew was, I mean, good people. Everyone was really nice, really kind. It was a small class. It was, I mean, to me, it was small. It was about 200 and a little over 200 kids that graduated together. And we had grown up since like kindergarten together. So mm-hmm. we had stayed in the same school district together as classmates pretty much from kindergarten. So we had, you know, our groups of people, our cliques, but we It was a real sense of community there. From my perspective, I never felt anything but really comfort from my classmates. I mean, sure, there were, you know, specs in your life. Looking back, like middle school is just awful. It's just an awful time. Yeah. And it was especially hard for me. I, you know, it was a difficult time. Just middle school sucks. So that part is not so happy to think about, but everything else was like super great. It's a good community. When it comes to music uh, in your childhood, what were the influences that you had and who were they coming from? So the biggest curator of like sound in my household was my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was a huge influence in what music I listened to, how it was provided to me. In our basement growing up, I had access to a jukebox with 45s, and I listened to, you know, Cyndi Lauper and Jack and Diane and Girls Just Wanna Have Fun and John Mellencamp and all these classics, like basically on repeat. Like I would open it up, know how to click up, you know, the quarter, even though I didn't have a quarter, to play all the music I wanted, as much as I wanted. And then growing up, my dad listened to the cars on repeat. I mean, they just that those albums were constantly in our car. And also just like classics, just classics. Um, My mom also was a huge fan of radio. So radio is on a lot in our house, but I and in our car, but I definitely feel like a lot of my influence and where it came from with music growing up was my dad's choice in music, and he chose a lot of the classics. There's a lot yeah. of 80s influence. Yeah. <laughs> Is that when he was like growing up and no. being a, like a young adult? I mean, that's when he had us. I mean, my yeah. he had me in the 80s, and then he had my sister in the early 90s. So, and he was, I mean, he had us in his 30s. So, Okay. Yeah. So it was so, pretty, I mean, it was pretty, you know, recent. Post kids. Yeah. It was yeah. like, it was like kids time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, 
I don't know. I, I didn't really listen to any music from prior to that. I mean, a little bit of Sonny and Cher stuff, but that wasn't... Nothing like the Cars, man. I mean, when I think of my childhood, the Cars... Wow. That band is, like, prevalent in everything. Yeah. It just is, like, a... It's, like, hits me like a brick... Like a wall of bricks, just, like... <laughs> yeah. What's, like, a, a song that Oof. would you just, like, go to right now when it comes to the Cars? Drive. Okay. That song is so impactful to me in so many ways it's like a song i love to hate it's a song that it's so it's so powerful to me like i remember first hearing it and my dad saying to me like you know this song is a really sad song this song is about a sister who isn't doing well and you know she has a lot of hard times. And he basically was talking about mental health to me and, you know, the importance of just like how important it is to have support when you, and he, you know, wasn't necessarily always able to communicate exactly what he meant possibly, but just like that song is so, was like the first time really seeing music. And I was young, I'm probably fifth grade you know, like when we're talking about this kind of stuff, maybe fourth grade, like that mental, like just about the mental health and how important it is to take care of your mental health. This song is about, you know, I believe it's about the writer's sister who was experiencing a lot of um, needs with mental health at the time. So, yeah. But that that song is pretty pretty impactful. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a lot of ways. It's it's what you're currently doing now mm-hmm. at, with your profession. Do you want to expound on that? Yeah, I am a trained counselor, and so I am a trained counselor, and then I'm a trained board cer- certified behavior analyst. So I've leaned a lot more into the behavior analyst side of helping others. I specifically work with kids with um, diagnosed with autism ages 18 months through the age of 21. And a lot of what I do is uh, parent support, parent training, and how to decrease problem behaviors and increased skill sets to basically, you know, help these children have the best quality of life as possible and teach the children that I'm working with and sometimes young adults, you know, skill sets that protect them against possible abuse and teach them skills. I mean, the way that I see my job is it's really important because giving an individual the ability to have freedom and daily living skills or communication or the ability to do so really helps them be as included in the socialness of community as possible. Yeah. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of barriers for people who have physical disabilities or, you know, the inability to communicate, there's a ton of barriers and we're not yet at the place where we need to be. 
when it comes as a society to be inclusive towards individuals who um, are learning to overcome some of these barriers or, and yeah, I feel like part of my job is to give tools. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's incredibly important for those individuals who don't always recognize when they're, when they, if in a situation where they might be taken advantage of. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they can't pick up those social cues. Yes. And you know, when you think about the amount of abuse that can occur in an individual's life, whether they're neurotypical or, you know, have a developmental disability or mm-hmm. mental illness. And, you know, these are things that, that are really important to see because, I mean, humans don't deserve to be abused. Right. So it's just part of my calling, I feel, to help individuals see their capabilities and to come alongside individuals to really empower them and encourage them. And yeah, that's, that's, that's in awesome. a nutshell. Yeah. Like if we were on an elevator, we just went up like three flights of stairs or levels. And I'm like, here we are. Ding. <laughs> While listening to the cars drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll be like, do you know who wrote the song? <laughs> I know every word. <laughs> so uh as you're growing up you really get into 90s late 90s pop uh so you know it backstreet boys britney spears uh whatever else was uh s club seven let's not forget <laughs> they even had their own tv show kyle i mean they were Hanson. I mean, yeah. I can mention NSYNC. I, you might have, you know, listeners that are NSYNC people, so I don't want them to feel left out. However, Backstreet Boys, that was the best boy band Whoa. of the time. And I'm sticking. I might, I might, I might bring some controversy to the table by saying that, but. I'm going to stick by it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to stick by it. What, what was it about those acts at that time that was uh, why you were listening to them? Is it just because it was on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they're so captivating. I mean, <laughs> probably because they're on the radio. Easy access. I mean, when you're a kid, there wasn't streaming. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't like things that you could stream music through is like literally what was on MTV and what was on the radio and MTV, you know, watching MTV in late elementary, early middle school, TRL, you know what I'm saying? Like that was it. That was it. That was awesome. And it was, and they were on there a lot. I mean, there was a ton of other bands. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I just loved how carefree it seemed, pop music, and the entertainment value that came with pop music. And it was so glamorized. It was like, if you want, it felt like if you wanted to be cool, then you should listen to this. You know, and there was like grungy music. 
don't know if that's a word, but to describe things, but you know, there was different genres of music and I mean, different people had different tastes. And to me, pop music just fit my taste. I was like, yeah, I like, I like how bubble gummy it is. <laughs> <laughs> is there any later pop that still uh, yeah. resonates with you? Or, uh, I mean, right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love a good Taylor Swift. Yeah. I love Harry Styles. Like, yeah. I don't know if he counts, but he counts in my book. I love him so much. Mika, who is a different kind of pop, but still pop in my mind. Um, okay. Just more of internationally pop. You know what I'm saying? But he's very poppy, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. But he's, I don't know if he's necessarily later. But yeah, I i would say that I love pop that's some of the pop that's still played on the radio like like a good justin bieber song like get me going i will rock out you know like his latest album changes i think is pretty good i'm not i'm not i don't hate against it no let uh listeners know what it was like as a, a teen during that time why it was such a a big appeal to our our culture at that time like you talked about it being an entertainment value, but it was uh-huh. also, uh, there was definitely like, I think what you said of there was this cool factor to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like culturally around the time MTV was really picking up some heat. I can't, I, I don't really know. I mean, there's just a bunch of corporate people that got together that said, let's make a ton of money. And they <laughs> formulated these boy bands and, it worked. I mean, it was just yeah. a formula that seemed to work. And at the time for the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Britney Spears and Hanson and I mean, S Club 7 isn't, I mean, they're awesome in my eyes, but they weren't like the top, you know. To me, it was like, I don't know, people, it was just a formula that clicked. And we, we had had boy bands in the past. I mean... Right. There's a ton of boy bands in the past. I mean, look at the Jackson 5. Hello. I mean, that was a long time before Backstreet Boys, and they were huge mm-hmm. when the Jackson 5 came out. But our gener, well, you know, in middle school and high school, it's just that formula worked. It, it brought a craze, man. I can't. Some people made a lot of money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy to me is just the lasting impact, like how it permeated through so much through our culture that it still affects uh, people our age today that still want to talk about them or, you know, maybe sing a a karaoke song to them. It wasn't just um, a fad, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. People love belting that song. You know, and I think it just comes like with music leaves such an impression on people. I mean, there's songs that bring you back to certain moments in your life. And when you're young and when you're a kid, you know, you, everyone has a different story. So like, I can't speak to everyone's story and what, 
you know, for me to say, like, it just brings back kind of what the innocence of childhood had. Mm. And I'm totally recognizing, like, not everyone has that privilege of having that innocence. For me, those songs really just, like, almost take you back out of that adulting world and back to a place where it's like you didn't even have to care about anything else but if the underwear you were wearing matched the day of the actual week because i don't know about you but girls definitely had like earrings with like days of the week on them at that time and stuff like that and you're just like that's what i'm worrying about like do my earrings say tuesday on them and is it tuesday you know like and now it's like when is it safe for my child to go out in public and not you know and not be hurt or something like that like that's the reality of what i'm thinking about now not necessarily if my earrings match the day of the week right <laughs> so music does that. it brings you back to a place where you're just like yeah i want to belt this out because i don't want to think about what's going on around me. I just want to think about that time where I just watched MTV after school and counted (laughs) down with Carson Daly, all the hits. Like that's what I want to remember. What's interesting. You take a big left turn in high school. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) OMG. Yes. Talk about what that, what that looked like. Yeah. So in high school, I stumbled upon the church in my freshman year of high school literally it was just uh my dad was like hey so here again it's interesting that my dad is one of the main characters in this transition Mm -hmm. which is really interesting to me that i'm talking out loud about this but we started going to church as when i was with my dad on every other weekend my mom had raised me in the church raised me you know i would She was Quaker when she was growing up. I would say a lot of those values were instilled into who I am as a person. And then we just stopped going. But then in high school, my dad's like, let's go. So then anyways, when music came onto the scene in high school, I was, I threw away all my CDs that I had because I was quote unquote convicted to do so. And so replacement CDs of, David Crowder, Casting Crowns. Yeah, so like those artists came to my forefront and really just filled up like all my songs yeah, <laughs> all the time. Um, and that was, you know, my way of filling at the time, you know, it was exactly what I thought I needed to do. And... It was intense. (laughs) I mean, back then I didn't think it was intense. I was like, yeah, that's fine. But now I'm like, whoa, that was really intense that I did that. And so, yeah, I just threw away all my CDs and said, I'm done with this. I'm going to only listen to Christian music. And it was like, yeah, it was was definitely a time. It definitely was a long time of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, knowing you now and... and there's this uh, reality that you've kind of had to reconcile that. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like for you of Mm -hmm. realizing that that was way much more than it needed to be? Um, Yeah. Looking back now. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's good. That, um, there's definitely a period in my life 
and I would I would put it to probably mid 2000s and so that part of my life was like 2003 to 2007 2008 and then really just there was a shift in what I there's a lot going on in my own life when it came to exploring different things in myself. So I, and around that time in 2008, I had traveled the world for the first time. I went to Israel um, for two weeks and that experience was monumental for my understanding that there was so much more outside of my zip code. And I think that that kind of created a domino effect of me just craving understanding of things outside of just my little bubble of Michigan. And at that time, my whole world was Lansing and Grand Rapids. So that's really all I knew. So there's so much I wanted to know, so much I want to know. So music kind of became this threshold and this bridge of connecting, you know, who I was becoming with who I was. And I think that even now, when I sing my son, my son to sleep, like I will lean into, you know, hymns and things that I've known by heart because, you know, church music was so important to me for so long. And I don't ever want to have that be disconnected from who I am. It just, I had to reconcile that I wasn't, I wasn't like a dirty person for listening to music that wasn't like David Crowder. And that took time. And that took me just kind of offering myself grace to be like, that was a very extreme reaction to a very, at that time, very exciting thing for my life. You know, going to youth group, having a group of people that were silly and goofy and fun, like that was super exciting for me, you know, because high school is kind of just like high school, you know, you go there, you do school, you go home, and then you're like, ugh, like that was okay, I guess. But (laughs) youth group was different. Youth group was fun. It was exciting. It was different than, you know, school. And yet these kids are my age. So I just wanted to be like ever involving in that group that I was just like, this is what I have to do. Like, this is what a Christian does. Not even realizing, no, that's not what a Christian has to do to be in, you know, to be a Christian. You can still, you can still listen to music, you know, and let it move you in different ways. And it's not, you're not a dirty person because of that. And that took time. I mean, that took, certain mentors in my life exposing me to really good music and I felt I feel like it's good music and then me kind of just being open to learning new things yeah I mean it's just kind of a lot of reconciling of this is my past and that's okay and then this is and it doesn't have to be the only thing that's part of my future right basically yeah you were talking uh just a second about how you were starting to listen to really good music and Mm -hmm. what was that? And uh, how did you get introduced to it? So there's a couple new players in, um, this is, this is college 
time, yeah. right? There's a couple new players, and there's two major players in this threshold. One is um, Jeff Harrington, and yeah. another one is Jeanette Banishak. Those two individuals were probably, and still to this day, Jeff is and his partner Dan are super influential in a lot of my music and in a lot of ways, um, whether they know it or not. But Jeff introduced me to artists like Mika and Sufjan Stevens. And, and I had already listen, been listening to the rocket summer, but the rocket summer was also, he was a huge fan of the rocket summer. So yeah. we really connected with that artist too. So these were artists that really just made me feel great. And Jeanette, she was a mentor that I had in college that was just kind of, she's just kind of an oddball, but she played instruments that just were kind of off the cuff, just very yeah. unique. Like unusual. Um, yeah. And, um, and Kate, and with that came artists that right now, like I wouldn't be able to name them all off the top of my head, but they definitely kind of trickled into just, more and mounds and mounds of more artists. And I think that there were, she would start classes with songs that I just had never heard of at times, share with me artists that, that I had never known. And then Jeff was a, I mean, in college, you know, one of my closest friends. So we had connected a lot over music. So yeah, I think that those are two of the biggest players, and they were introducing me to artists like Sufjan Stevens and Mika, just like a couple, but there's so many more. But those two come to my mind, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I had friends that like just loved music with me, like Lane loved music so much, and she was down for anything. So like... Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So like if we had, and she had other artists that she loved too. It just was like, it just was. And then I had another friend named Dan who is an amazing musician. And he introduced me to like Ingrid Michelson. And she was a huge artist for me while I was in college too, especially like my junior and senior year. Yeah. Just a lot of folk indie music really connected to my heart and my soul at the time yeah for sure huge players in the game <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. i mean i remember multiple people with guitars uh, yeah you know <laughs> yeah no that in, was our in, house in your, in your place yeah 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 we just oh that apartment was so good i mean yeah. so good it was such a gift that whole experience was amazing uh, in my life. That time was really great. Yeah, for sure. So I, think, funny. I think like it was something that you needed too. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I mean, it definitely was really the first time that I had lived on my own. I mean, I had Lindsay as a roommate, but lived on my own since graduating from college and and it was great. It was a great t part of town for me to be in, walking distance to a lot of things that I loved at the time. Totally. Um, 
and studying at Western where I was pursuing my master's was just so much was going on intellectually in my life at that time too, that it was just, it was a really great environment for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, you met your husband, Aaron. Yeah. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, (laughs) totally. You got married. Yeah. Moved to Muskegon. Yep. How, how was music, uh, evolving in your life during that, all that time? I would say that it had always been really, really important to me. And it just, it just kind of remained steady. I think that there was a huge bubble of change that occurred, you know, in the 2011, 2014 time. And in 2013 is when I met my husband. And he is, he allows me to kind of just let music take over if I need it to. Music is, has become a way for me to feel when I am feeling blocked off. So growing up, and having to be tough and having to be very separated from pain. You know, I don't want to feel pain because I don't want to feel pain. I don't, I don't like how it feels. Mm-hmm. And that would, that would keep me from experiencing really the depth of some of the times what I was going through because I just separated myself from feeling. And what right. music did... Um, was it allowed me to feel things that I was that my head wasn't allowing my heart to feel? So the connection between my head and my heart and my journey in music is really one of the same because I am able through music to connect my thoughts and my feelings together so that a lot of in my own experience healing can take place. And what I appreciate about, you know, my partner so much is that he really, I mean, I remember sometimes like just being in the car driving and a song would come on and I got my egg shakers out and just egg shaked and sang and I just had to sing. And um, he and I do not active, we don't, we don't practice any sort of religion or anything like that. We, we, he grew up in the church and, but I, what I appreciate about him is that like, whenever I want to sing like old hymns to our son or something like that, he just, he really loves it. He's just like that. It's like almost a reminder to him of, you know, a part of his life that, that is meaningful to him in some way or a a part of his life that he grew from. And so what Mm -hmm. I appreciate about him is that he has always let me do what I want to (laughs) do when it comes to listening to music and letting it kind of be a part of my story. And that, it's just kind of who he is as a person. He's just a very. He's very thoughtful. 
Yeah, and he he's super go with the flow. He's super laid back. He, yeah. He's not one to tell people this is this is what you should do. He definitely has certain things that he's passionate about, which I mean, most people do have those things. But overall, when it comes to my happiness, he definitely sees music as something that's important to him, to yeah. me. And so it's important to him because it's important to me. So, right. yeah, he definitely just let's go yeah he i remember one time we were riding in the car and i was listening to um a song and i was just belting it i love to sing i love to sing yeah, you do. and i was just belting it and he's just like just watching me and i go i'm so sorry and he goes no i, I it's just what you had to do you know like you just had to i could tell and I was just like, yes, I did. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> I did have to sing that song at the top of my lungs and shake my egg shaker at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what would be a what would be an example of a song that you would do that now? Now, the, oh nowadays. my gosh, do you know what song gets me hyped? Is well, you don't because you asked me the question. Um, <laughs> but the song that gets me hyped is Hairstyles. Watermelon Sugar. Okay. That song gets me so hyped. Yeah. I can't even explain it. And oh, it's such a good egg shaking song. Um, <laughs> uh, Solange's album, A Seat at the Table, is something I'm not yeah. worthy of. I'm not worthy yeah. of that album. It's a true gift that I'm evil, even able to partake in the beauty of that album in my mind. And Crane's. Oh, yeah. Is a song that I belt out when it's played. I'm just not even, I don't even feel worthy of it, but <laughs> I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to. And yeah, so th- yeah, I definitely, definitely do some beltage with the egg shaking <laughs> really anything i mean if it if it's if i'm feeling the groove i have those egg shakers right in my cup holder of my car i've been doing it a long time so i don't feel as dangerous shaking my egg i mostly do it at stop signs but yeah i'll pull out a few i'll pull out the egg shaker and shake to the music adele oh my gosh she always gets me rocking with the egg shaker that percussion though mm-hmm. yeah 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 totally like yeah. uh, rolling in the deep, probably. Oh, yeah. Yep. And Aaron, actually, for Christmas this year, he got me four new egg shakers. <laughs> and they range in volume from low, medium, high, and loud. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You can tell the difference. Huh. For sure. And my son, Teddy, we uh, let him, he loves music too, but he, he likes to play the egg shakers too. And it's adorable, but yeah, he's into it. It's, it's passed down. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was a, uh, a couple years ago, you went through a, a really uh, tragic time in your life. Mm-hmm. You, had to go through a stillbirth, your son, Isaac. Yeah. At that time, what was the way in which you were grieving and, and processing and, and dealing with that loss? Yeah. So 
um, we found out that, uh, and it's important for me to talk about Isaac because first and foremost, it's important for me to talk about him because many women and families lose children yeah. and lose children um, before the age of one. And many, more than it's talked about, individuals lose children gestationally. We lost Isaac 24 weeks gestationally. And so I was at an ultrasound and I was by myself and the technician was searching and I just knew something was wrong. And then she goes, I have to go talk to the doctor. And she didn't answer my question because I asked, you can't find a heartbeat, can you? And she didn't answer. She left. And I felt like I was in there for like five hours. It was probably five minutes. And that was heartbreaking. And it's important for me to more than heartbreaking, but it's important to me for other people to know that I am not the only one that has gone through something like this. Mm -hmm. And infertility and loss are prevalent in our society, yet no one wants to talk about it. And it's a huge part of my story and important for me to talk about Isaac. Yeah, for sure. Music during this time. So when I was pregnant with Isaac, I, this kind of goes back a little further than this, but when I was in college, um, I was introduced to a song by JJ Heller that is called Keep You Safe. And it is... I would, I would kind of consider it a lullaby of sorts. It's, it's, it's kind of like an anthem of protection and safeguards. And it's, I mean, it's, I, I love it. It's, it really resonated with me for some reason. And I just memorized it. And I said, this is the song that I'm going to sing to my children when um, I have children. Mm-hmm. And so when I was pregnant with Isaac, I sang to him. I sang to him um, this song. And I also sang him this song. And I sang him. And then I listened and sang to the song Sweet Creature by Harry Styles, which mm -hmm. was a song that he talks about. He wrote with his mom in mind when he wrote it. And it's just, I love that song too. I think it's just, it really speaks to kind of the nature of a mother-child relationship and how sometimes it can be strained, but at the end of the day, you know, you are each other's blood, basically. Anyways, those two songs were really um, important to me, and I sang them to, to Isaac. And when we lost Isaac, you know, like I kind of talked about a little before, is that I don't like pain. I don't like feeling pain. So I don't want to. And when you lose a child, you everyone grieves differently. My grief was, you know, a shutdown of sorts for a little bit, a crying out to see am I alone? Kind of surrounding myself with people that were important to me, at, you know, to know that I am not, you know, there's nothing that I could have done to prevent this, to prevent Isaac's passing. Right. Um, and in those moments of grief, 
you know, I, I shut down. I didn't really, I remember a voice. I had, I have Harry Styles CD. I have that first CD that he released that has sweet creature on it. And I didn't listen to it for like a year or a year and a half. I just couldn't. And then, so a lot of my healing and grief from Isaac was when we began to try again for another child. Mm -hmm. It took us, so we lost Isaac in February of 2018. Yes. And we found out that we were pregnant with our son, Teddy in 2018, September of 2018. So about six months later, which, which is wild. So, when I, I take that back, because I started listen, I didn't listen to Sweet Creature while I was pregnant with Teddy. I even I I couldn't even sing it. I couldn't even sing it. I couldn't sing "Keep You Safe." I couldn't even utter those words. I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, it just I wasn't. I wasn't there. Music at this time, in between um, losing Isaac and having Teddy. I was leaning into music that was really about things that I wasn't going through. So this is when Solange's album, A Seat at the Table, was introduced to my life. Mm-hmm. And what thing about me and music is that if I like am into something, like I'm going to listen to it for probably five months straight. And that's the only thing I listen to. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like, and I and I was listening to Solange's album, like nonstop. Like, besides listening to the radio once in a while, I can't even tell you, I think I was listening to Casey Musgraves a little bit during that time, I think. But Solange's A Seat at the Table was, and that album has, you know, is so different in a lot of senses of what I was going through. Yet, I felt so much emotion by listening to that album that it helped me release some of the things that I was going through emotionally by feeling pain and heartache, but for different things when I was listening to that album. And that album kind of carried me through in a lot of ways. It was a huge gift, still is a gift, still not something I'm worthy of. And it taught me a lot about a lot of things, especially race, um, honestly. And yeah, so when we had Teddy, it took me a little bit, but then I slowly was able to sing to him the songs that I had sang to Isaac. And in Keep You Safe, there's two main verses to that song. And what the first verse, I feel, when I look back, when I think about it, like I really feel like it is, the first verse is really like, a mother to a child and the second verse in my feelings in my mind is like Isaac's verse to me like his protection over me uh-huh. I remember the day that we lost Isaac I came home for lunch before my appointment because I live like three minutes away from my work and and I remember being in the basement letting my dog out and just belting that song and I had lost Isaac at this point Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that formally because I hadn't gone to the ultrasound in two hours, but he was gone. He was gone. 
And I remember belting that song and just feeling so different, but not knowing why. And then when we had Teddy, like really feeling those verses and being like, Isaac is looking over me now. He's protecting me. He's, I mean, there's so many ways that you can mess up a kid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Teddy, like, you know, like you just, it's just like you, as our pediatrician says, like you are, you're so humbled when you think that you have something on lock and then you have a kid and then you're like, oh, I'm just about to mess this up. You know what I'm saying? And so there's so many times that like, there's little things I'm like, oh, someone is looking over us right now because like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad that this is going well. Those two songs. So like Sweet Creature to me is, I love the line, um, we started two hearts in one home. That's a part of that song that really resonates to me with a, with being able to carry a child. And to me, you know, when you're growing an eyeball and a brain and a human arm inside of you, you're also mm-hmm. growing a heart. Yeah. And your heart and your baby's heart are like in the same home, in the same body. And it's so amazing to me, like how that song, like I remember one time I went to, it was really recent. I went to go pick up groceries and it was kind of a long haul to get there. I don't know why I decided to pick up groceries this far away from my house, but I did. I was at a grocery store pickup. I don't know. I needed to get out of the house, I guess. But my son, I took with me to get him out of the house and he was crying so bad. And I just started singing that song really loud and just just singing it and he quieted down and he was just listening he was a lot younger then and I was just like I think the song maybe means something to you as it does me mm-hmm. I don't know I think in my own grief and in my own process music has allowed me to feel something that my body wasn't physically allowing me to feel And that has been part of my healing and my journey. And yeah, that's part of Isaac's story too. I think, I think his, he, he is always going to, I'm always going to feel connected to him through, especially those two songs, because they were so prevalent in me making him. Right. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, I'm sorry that I had to go through it too. But I think it's good that we talk about it because honestly, Kyle, like there's so many women just hurting and they're hurting from loss. They're hurting from, you know, trying to get pregnant. They're in the process of adoption. You know, there's so much that is painful about becoming a parent. You know what I'm saying? There can be so much pain there and to know you're not alone. And even if it's in this way that others know they're not alone, that's really important for me to communicate because it's not a secret. I mean, it shouldn't be kept like a secret. It's, it, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about music that why we listen to it? Why is it so important to our lives? That's a good question. I think, Music has the capability to move people inward and outward. And what I mean by that is 
you know, with music, it's important to people because it is like a place marker in their internal journey. And it can act as this bookmark of experience. And outwardly, you know, music brings people together to this collective thought or idea that brings people together in a way that they possibly didn't know how they were connected in that way before. And I think that music is so important because of those two things and Mm -hmm. that music can connect you in ways that help you feel alive, both inwardly and outwardly. Oh, see, I just, I mean, I'm just, I don't know what I said earlier. I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, man. I'm just, (laughs) just here for the ride. (laughs) That's always been the Elizabeth I've known. (laughs) Yes, I'm still fun. You know, I'm still fun, even though I have a kid. (laughs) I feel like I need, I feel like, you know, as a parent, like you're like kind of need to prove yourself in some ways. Like I'm still fun, people like. I know I may not get out much, but I am here for the ride. <laughs> I'm still doing me. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for uh, doing this uh, podcast. You're welcome. It was a pleasure, Kyle. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. We'll see you later. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist to the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm, click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at at Soundtrack Podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. <laughs>